new crew, NYC, in Brooklyn, still here. What up, what up, what up? It's your girl, Josina Anderson, host of The Crew. And today, you know, it's the off season. It's the springtime. Guys have been, you know, fluttering around, changing teams, taking vacations, trying to get some personal time. But we do appreciate that Calais Campbell, the newest member of the Atlanta Falcons, will be joining us today to talk about his transition of teams, Lamar Jackson, a whole bunch of other things. So we'll get to that. As well, I'm going to be joined by Clarence Hill, who is a longtime beat writer for the Cowboys, for the uh, Fort Worth Star-Telegram, covering that team for a long time. So I haven't had a chance to talk to him a little bit on the pod. We've been taking a smidge of a break, but we are back. And so we'll get to him. But before we get to uh, the podcast, I always like to let you know where you can download and subscribe. Download the Odyssey app wherever you get your apps. And find the crew pod on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. If you like to go on YouTube, you can go to our URL over there that is thecrewnyc.com. Go over there and that will take you straight to the pod. But without further delay, let's bring in our crew. Well, look at there. It is Clarence Hill. Why you got so much headroom on your shot? There you go. There you go. Well, the interesting shot. Well, what you got going on today, Clarence? Uh, you know, getting ready for the draft. Got less than uh, a week and a half away. Uh, 2023 NFL draft and uh, trying to get it done. Trying to put this baby to bed here. Uh, Cowboys have a number of options at 26. And, you know, obviously this draft is interesting because no one knows where the quarterbacks are going to go and how they're going to fall out. So you're going to be covering the draft from Dallas, or you're going to go to Kansas City and get barbecue? No, I'll be at the Cowboys headquarters. You know, we're always at the Cowboys headquarters because that's where the decision makers are. Okay, okay, but you know the prospects are supposed to be in Kansas City, so I didn't know if you were going to be there. Don't be trying to tell me where the power brokers are. The players are going to be in Kansas City. That's why I asked Smarty Pants. No, no, no. As, as, as a beat writer, we're always with the decision makers. The prospects come to us after they get drafted. It's it's a that that thing at, at, at the draft is more for national people, uh, the local guys. You can stay with the decision makers. The prospects come on, especially when you're 26. You know the Cowboys are. You know it'd be different if they had a prospect at the top of the draft. But when you're 26, you know those prospects are not actually going to be in Kansas City. There's only 17 going to be there this year because they don't want want anybody embarrassed in the green room and not getting drafted on that first day. So the NFL is streamlining that thing anyway. Oh, yes. And well, look, just as we were about to get into our headlines, we see Calais Campbell pulling in in the backstage. He is already here. So we will go ahead and switch to our crew crib and take him because I know everybody got a lot of running around. So we will go ahead and get to our crew crib, Calais. We see you in the backstage right now. What's up, Calais? How are you doing? Just finished a tough workout. I'm doing pretty good. You know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Say hello to Clarence, longtime beat reporter for the Cowboys of the Forward Star Telegram. He's in the house right now. What's going on, Clarence? How we doing, man? What's up, Clarence? How you doing, man? Appreciate your long career, man. You've been doing this a long time, man. I'm very blessed, man. Very blessed and highly favored, man. God is good. 
Yeah, we see you got the Paradise T-shirt on. Been in the NFL 15 years, six-time Pro Bowler. Uh, second round draft pick in 2008 from Arizona to Jacksonville, Baltimore the last three seasons, and now the Atlanta Falcons. Calais, do me a favor, see if you can put your camera horizontal so we can fill out your space a little bit more. There you go. See, now we get to enjoy the full five o'clock shadow like Clarence has, and, and therefore we want to see your full face. So how, first of all, how are you doing today? Thanks for you know interrupting your workout to, to talk to us. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's off season, you know, so it's a grind, but uh, life is good. No complaints. Definitely no complaints. Well, talk to us first and uh, foremost, just kind of get into how you're feeling with regards to the decision to leave, you know, Baltimore. Obviously, they just came off of a flashy acquisition with Odell Beckham Jr. You did go to Arizona. Give us some insights into how you're feeling about that decision now and, you know, your conversations uh, with ownership. Yeah, you know, I mean, I knew it was a possibility. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I played good football still. You know, definitely wasn't a, a just about my ability to play football, but they got some young beats. You know, I told uh, Roger Washington, I was like, man, you're playing so good, man, you'll get me cut. You know, I told him at the beginning of the year, you know, it's just, you know, he was like, oh, come on, man, you can last camp. I ain't gonna never happen. I'm like, hey, I've been asleep a long time. I know how it goes. And, uh, you know, but I mean, he's, he's a great young player. Justin Matter BK, great young player. And when you have two young beasts like that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, cheap and, you know, they're, they're capable. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, eventually I knew it might happen. And with Lamar's situation, you know, having the franchise tag him, they said that was like, you know, obviously they would love to have me back. You know, Eric DeCosta made it clear that he'd love to have me back. But, with the current uh, situation, he just couldn't make it happen with the cap situation. What what appealed to you about Atlanta? And did the Cowboys make a call? I know when you when, when news fizzled came down, I put on Twitter that he would be a great fit in the middle of the Cowboys defense. But uh, what appealed to you about Atlanta? Now the, the Cowboys never called, man. You know, uh, one of the few teams I did get a lot of lot of uh, activity. I got calls and you know offers. Uh, you know, uh, you know, pretty early on, you know, almost, uh, you know, within the first three, four days after uh, the initial free agency wave, you know, I started getting a lot of calls and some, um, you know, some some pretty quick offers. Uh, but when it came down to it, you know, um, I really liked the way Atlanta, uh, you know, where they wanted to use me and the way they were, uh, you know, I saw what they were building. And I just, I guess it came down to it. I was like, man, I like, I like, uh, you know, I like, I like the, you know, the spot that nobody really expects, but I know, you know, from my studies and, the research I put in, I'm like, oh, this team's going to be built for for a chance to make a run at it, you know. And obviously, you know, I mean, you know, I'm banking a little bit on the young quarterback developing. And, uh, you know, but but we played him last year. I, I happened to miss the game. And he played a great game, though, you know, a heck of a game. You know, gave us work for our money. I think our defense was pretty good late in the season. You know, they, they put nine points up, but they were in the red zone a lot. He made a lot of really good throws. And that played a big role. You know, I watched tape with, with um, you know, uh, with um, Arthur Smith and, uh, and Terry Fadno. And, uh, you know, Officer Corner came in and we just watched tape on the quarterback. You know, they and they uh, made me a believer that, you know, that he has the tools to develop and be a really good player. And, uh, you know, he told me that they made a commitment to, you know, building talent. You know, a lot of guys who have experience in this league. And, uh, you know, you see the young guys they have, you know, it's like, okay. You know, I mean, and honestly, I think uh, Grady Jarrett played a big role in it. You know, knowing what he can do, been a fan of his game, uh, bringing in David Anyamata. I knew that he can play, you know, I mean, these are guys who've been around for a long time playing really good ball. And so, uh, you know, it was like, hey, you know, why not go and team up with some great D-linemen and let's go and just uh, be a force on the defensive side of the ball. 
So you watched tape with uh, the general manager, Terry Fontenot, and ownership and Arthur Blaine. This is before you signed oh, or after? Coach, Arthur Smith. Oh, Arthur Smith. Okay, okay, okay. So you said Arthur Smith, the head coach. But this was after or before you, you signed? Oh, before I signed, yeah. Okay, no, that was, okay. That was, uh, uh, you know, helping in the deciding factor. You know, uh, I think that was important, you know, just knowing that uh, – First of all, their commitment to me, I thought they was, they've been willing to watch tape with me, try to get me, uh, you know, uh, to, to believe in them, you know, as a, as a unit. I just, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I felt a lot of love, you know what I mean? This business, you know, you don't, you know, a lot of it is kind of like, you know, feeling valued. And, uh, you know, Atlanta really from the beginning, you know, once they, because when, I mean, if we're being honest, at the beginning of the process, I wasn't even thinking about Atlanta. And then uh, Arthur Smith calls me and we have a really long conversation, about 20 minutes, and he just really helped me to understand his vision and uh, where he sees himself right now and this year and the run they can make and how he sees me as a part of that. And, uh, you know, so I put him on the list and then they got me to take a visit. And then during that visit, I felt like it was just like, you know, it just felt right, you know, just talking to all the people, you get a feel for the building and just like there was a lot of natural connections. You know, I really felt like a really, I had a really, really dope, uh, probably almost an hour, well, it was probably less, but, you know, with uh, Ryan Nielsen, a uh, defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, and just, I mean, I, he sees football the same way I see football. Uh, that plays a big role as well. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, because I had, I had, I mean, you know, it's on, on a lower level, I had the Dolphins and the Eagles, you know, uh, make you know, that, you know, I, I had to consider. Uh, the, ja the Jets? The Jets made a, a almost equal offer, you know, equal offer uh, as, the, as the Falcons. And, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy because uh, Aaron Rodgers texted me. He's like, yo, come on, man, let's go win a championship together. And that's wow. that was, uh, you know, it was appealing having, you know, Aaron Rodgers text you, uh, you know, to, you know, talking about winning a Super Bowl together. Uh, but when it came down to it, man, I just, you know, I just had this gut feeling that Atlanta was a, was a special place. And, um, you know, the value I could bring would be most affected there. Calais, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you just said a whole bunch there, Clance, and I know you heard it. <laughs> like, so you just told us that Aaron Rodgers texted you. The Jets offered something similar to what the Falcons did. And you chose to not play with the Jets with a with the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers and go to Atlanta where they're building around Desmond Ritter. If Jets fans are gonna be listening to this because you know I'm based in this area. Please, please get them off of the ledge and understand how that was Atlanta was more appealing after similar financials and a personal appeal from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I mean, honestly, it comes down to like the value I could bring, right? And, uh, you know, and I think uh, a big part of it was, you know, uh, in the Jets system, you know, where I would play and like the value I could bring uh, wasn't as appealing as to Atlanta's system. And uh, where I feel like they're going to, how they're going to allow me to be on the field and affect change, you know? And I felt like, you know, um, you know, Jets definitely. I mean, it was very appealing. It, it was a tough. It was a tough decision. It wasn't like it came down to it lightly. I mean, I put a lot of thought and, uh, and, and effort into trying to figure out what the best fit was for me. Uh, but when it came down to it, I just felt like you know they already have so many, you know, great D linemen that are. You know, it was going to be more of a, you know, it was just going to be more of a situation where I felt like you know I, I don't know how, how the kind of effect I could have had on the football field at the level I want to. Uh, consistently, you know, and I mean, I, I don't know if that's really, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, because there was no knock against the Jets. The Jets have a great team. I think they're going to be very fantastic this year. I think they're going to win a lot of ball games, especially, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets there. And I feel like, um, you know, I mean, they're going to be a team that's in the running.
But right, but you feel like the Falcons are going to use you more if you feel like you're getting more more playing time, well, or is it, it I mean, specifically how you're being utilized along the line? Yeah, so if we're being, you know, so throughout my whole career, right, I played 15 years. Three of them I got to play true DN in my career. In my career. So my 15 years, three of them was true DN, and that true DN spot uh, was in, when I was in Jacksonville, which I feel like are the best years of my career, uh, stat-wise, you know. And so Atlanta, you know, when we're in the sub package, sees me more on the edge, and I wanted the ability to do that again, which I know like you're going to year 16, it's going to be a little bit uh, of a challenge, you know, just, you know, mindset-wise, everybody outside looking in, like, yo, can he still even, you know, be effective off the edge? My mindset is, yeah, you know, and I like to, and I like the challenge to go out there and prove it. But also, I mean, that's just me personally on the field. But you think about it, though, I think that, the, you know, the division, the AFC North is going to be a gauntlet. You know, really the AFC as a whole is going to be a gauntlet. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills, who also were trying to get me as well, you know, they, they were, they're, they're, I mean, they're still a dominant team. The Miami Dolphins got a whole lot better, and they, they were playing as good as anybody when Tua was healthy last year. And so I was like, you know, uh, when I look at, you know, the Falcons and, you know, where they're at and where they're positioned in the schedule, I'm like, man, this could be a 13-win team. You know, 13-win team, you know, in my opinion. <laughs> Why you react like that, Clarence, when he said 13-win yeah, team? What was the problem? Is there a problem? Is there a problem? <laughs> Go ahead, Clarence. I mean, you know, yeah, Speak yeah, your mind. Speak your mind. I don't claim to be a football expert, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit about a little bit, you know. But based off how I felt when I started doing my research, I started really watching. I mean, I literally watched tape on guys, you know, as much as I could get, you know, as far as, you know, across the board on DBs, you know, linebackers, offensive line. I started watching a lot of tape. You know, I had a little time, you know, a couple of weeks to kind of figure it out and, you know, I mean, when it came down to it, I feel like the Falcons, you know, and we will play the Jets this year. And I feel like it's, it's going to be a good game. I wouldn't, you know. Oh, yeah. Let me look up when that's on the schedule. Keep Clarence jumping there. Go ahead. But it's not, it's not just the Jets, though. You look at look at the teams that he says he, he talked to. You talked to the Eagles who were in the Super Bowl last year. Miami was after you. Buffalo was after you. The Jets were after you. All those teams are supposed to be contenders. Just talk about, at this point in your career, the balancing act of, hey, I want to be on a contender. I got to find the right fit for me. You know, what's what's more important for you? And obviously, you said the Falcons can win 13 games. I guess you consider them a big-time contender as well. Yeah, I feel like with the right pieces in place, you know what I mean? So... I think a lot of this is me, my confidence in Arthur Smith, the head coach, you know, I mean, I've competed against him when he was in Tennessee as an offensive coordinator. And I know, you know, I mean, uh, you know, his, his offenses are the hardest to figure out, you know, like, you know, I watch a lot of tape. I, I pride myself on, on studying the game. And, uh, and, and as far as like, you know, big part of me making plays is when I know what the office is doing. So there's a lot of, you know, officer minds out there where it's like, okay, they might be bringing minds, but their, their system is simple for me to go out there and exploit. Versus, you know, Arthur Smith, he, he would make it a challenge. You know, it was hard. You know, you couldn't just exploit it. He, he had a lot of Tennessee breakers and stuff like that. And I feel like the offensive line, you know, the, the Ben Falcons offensive line is, 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 is one of the best in the league. And when you can run the ball and then, uh, you know, you have a, a, a quarterback who get the ball to his playmakers. And there are a lot of playmakers. I mean, Kyle Pitts, is, you know, it's appealing. You know, Drake London he played incredible last year, you know, especially late in the season with, uh, you know, with Desmond Ritter throwing on the ball. And so what I'm doing, I'm watching this tape, and I'm like, yo, and I believe in, in Terry Fano and the ability to draft well and get some more playmakers, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about, okay, on defense is where, they, where they're lacking. Last year, the defense was, was struggled the most. And then I see them bring in, you know, Jesse Bates, who I think is one of the best free safeties in the, in the ball game. You know, he's high on the line. You know, we play, I played against him, you know, in, in the same division. I'm like, man, this dude's special. You know, I see uh, AJ Terrell developing. You know, ma making. You know, uh, you know, becoming. You know, late the season, he was one of the best corners in the game. 
you know, and I'm sitting here looking around, I'm like, you know, the defense can be a whole lot better, you know, uh, if, you know, if I come in there and, and, and try to bring my value. And I know some other pieces they're already bringing in, you know, with Bada, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ellis, you know, I knew they were probably doing some more moves. You know, they made some more trades. I know they're going to draft well. And I see some other young guys who they drafted in the last couple of years who have, you know, great potential. And I'm like, man, I see, you know, a team that, you know, really can get this defense going can be a force. You can run the ball and play good defense, man. That's playoff football. Now, maybe I'm old school because I know a lot of times you still got to have a quarterback who, who can make that game winning drive. You know, and I think yes, Kalez, that is a big part of it. A quarterback that can make the game winning drive under pressure when you got to have it at that part of the season. But hold on, a couple of things I want to clean up here. When you did choose the Falcons over the Jets, did you get another text from Aaron Rodgers? What did he say? No, no, no. Once, yeah, once I the decision, he, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't reach out to me. You know, <laughs> I, I just took the proof, you know. Uh, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of, that's tough because I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, I, you know, we competed for years. We trained together, uh, you know, for half the year when I'm training in California late in the season, late after minicamp. And, uh, you know, so we, we worked together for years and I've always been a fan of his, you know. Uh, but I just, you know, it really came down to it. You know, it, it really was a gut feeling. You know, it's what I felt inside. I just felt like it was right because I honestly, I, I mean, I was on the, I was, I was committing to the Jets. And I remember talking to my agent and I was like, hold on, it don't really feel right. Let me, let whoa, me take whoa, whoa. okay. And you said it don't really feel right. And, and Clarence, give me a second here. Let me cook in this second because. But hold on. But the reason why this is important because there's a theme here, and I actually I really want you to provide some clarification and honesty yeah. on top of this. Odell Beckham Jr. just did his press conference with the Ravens, and even though those fans out there say, "Oh, just seen he picked for the money," yes, he picked for the money, but it's an and, not an only. Okay, we know he got that deal one year, 15 million up to 18. But one of the things he said, Clarence and Calais, when he was uh, at the press conference that I already knew, because he told me, is that he felt the love more from the Ravens and he wanted to go where he felt wanted and not just where, you know, they would like to have him. One of the things that you keep repeating here is that you really, you said, oh, you know, it's committed to the Jets, but you know, you just, something felt more, whatever. I've heard some people even in this market talk about, even from the media standpoint, that Joe Douglas appears at times, general manager from the Jets to have a hard time closing, you know, with certain free agents or what have you, you know, with respect to how the conversations go, the negotiations go. This is not me saying that, so don't call me from Florham Park. I'm just talking about what people say. Kaleas, give us I, I your perspective with respect to that. Go ahead. Yeah, I disagree with that. I don't think Joe Douglas uh, has any faults at all. I think he's a, a great, a great football mind. And uh, honestly, you know, I didn't uh, say football mind. I was talking about negotiations. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't anything on his own. I mean, they made me feel very wanted as well, and they made uh, some really, you know, they made, I mean, made a strong offer. You could make a strong offer, you know. And uh, so it had nothing to do with, with, with Joe Douglas and his negotiation skills, because honestly, you know, he negotiated very well. You know, I feel like uh, he put me in a position to where it would be, you know, it was, it was an easy yes. Uh, the only, I think, you know, the, the biggest knock on him, you know, really though, not, not, not knock on him, but knock on the process is that, you know, I mean, I, I spent time in Atlanta and I went through the whole process of going through the facilities, talking to all the coaches versus with the Jets. I, only, I didn't get to do that. You know, I, I had a couple of phone calls. Uh, I didn't get a chance to really, you know, go in the building and talk. And, but you and, had yeah. a visit set. You had a visit set up, but you didn't. But you didn't make it. Yeah, I had a okay, visit so set up. Just like Odell, time. so why you didn't come and do the visit? I don't understand that. Why don't you guys finish the process? Uh, okay, so. The call come in. I'm on my phone. My bad. <laughs> okay, yeah. Put it on. Uh, do not disturb. But why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you guys finish the process of going through all your visits before? 
I mean, it's, you know, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You know, uh, but uh, I mean, honestly, the Jets are the ones that tried to get the deal done before um, before I even got to do my visit. They were the first ones to try to get the negotiation in and just go and do, get it done. But at the end of the day, I think it's just situational. I mean, you really can't control, you know, uh, when, when, when people start getting heated up. I mean, the conversation got heated up and my agent was like, hey, we could just chill and take the visits or you can make a decision. It's based off of you. But when it came down to it, though, I was like, you know, no matter what, even if I go take the visit, if I do ever, I really like what the Atlanta Falcons are building. I really can see myself being a, a big factor in what they're building. And I mean, okay. honestly, like I, I really I felt I felt so good about my decision. Like I didn't it wasn't like no doubt in my mind. I was like, if I go to Atlanta, we're going to surprise some people. We're going to be a, a factor this year and we're going to make a run for it. And I felt like when it's all said and done, that's kind of been on par who I am as a, 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 as a whole. And not make and not make Clarence be doing all these gyrations and other things. Clarence, get in there with a question. Go ahead. No, I'm just I'm, you, you talk about and you know she, she brings up the quarterback and, and needing some, but you look at the 49ers model and, and they won with defense running game. They can win with a young quarterback. You see, you know the, the, the Falcons having a similar philosophy of having a good defense that can help a young quarterback win. 100. percent You know, and I feel like uh, you know a big part of this is Ryan Nielsen. Right, you know, he's a you know first time boy. He's a co-defensive coordinator with the Saints, uh, but this is his first time being the head defensive coordinator. And uh, you know, but my conversation with him, I was like, I was really impressed. I mean, the guy's a football mind. And uh, I mean, we talked. I mean, we talked. You know, uh, uh, you know, passing scheme. We talked. You know, fast rushing. We talked run defense. We talked everything. And uh, you know, it just it made sense. You know, the way he, the way he sees the game and the way I see the game were alignment. And a big part of this because you know, I mean, I, you know, not that I talked to the defensive coordinator for the Jets. Or anybody else. I, I mean, I don't know if I would have been in alignment other places, but I know when it feels right. And um, you know, Ryan Nielsen, you know, we had, you know, our conversation was really good. The way he sees the game, the way he wants to do things, the same way I want to do things. And you know, when it when it, when it lines up right, you know, it's like, hey, let's, let's go take advantage of it. Let's go. go make it happen. I think force this year. Fifteen years is a long time. I and mean, what, what keeps you going? What you know? What keeps your fire going? And how much longer do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, how much longer I want to go is kind of interesting because like. You know, I mean, you know, I want to play as long as I can, right? I let it get. But at the same time, I want to keep, you know, I want to stay, you know, I want to be healthy when I'm done. I don't want to, like, have an injury in my career. Uh, but as long as I feel like I can be dominant out there and, and affect the game, you know, and be able to, like, make my presence felt, you know, I want to keep playing. But, you know, I, I was I was taught a long time ago, you know, by the great Larry Fitzgerald. He said, take it one year at a time. Once mm. you Take it one year at a time. Don't worry about the next year. You'll figure that out when it comes. Just give everything in the year you're year right now. So I'm, I'm gonna play like this is my last, and uh, you know as I had the last couple of years, and you know, and if I got more left in the tank after this year, we'll play another one. But at the end of the day, you know, I love the game of football, though. My love for the game. I don't think anybody out there loves the game as much as I do. I'm really diehard football fan that's lucky enough to play the game. I love it. Well, you're 36 years old. Obviously, you won't know if this is your last year or not until the end of the season, as you just said. We cannot have you on this podcast without talking about your former team, Baltimore Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, you know, they just brought in Odell Beckham Jr. finally getting in some uh, wide receiver help. Uh, I do know, uh, per my understanding, that L Lamar did, you know, express his desire for the team to reach out to OBJ and D-Hop, though there was no, you know, uh, ultimatums or anything like that. Uh, my understanding is that the inclination right now is not that they are uh, not trying to, uh, you know, pursue DeAndre Hopkins at this time, particularly at that, you know, contractual um, uh, level that he is at. But 
given the situation and the way it is right now with everything that you know about um John Harbaugh you know tell us maybe the last time that you talked to Lamar and and the likelihood that you see this coming together based on everything you know in your relationship with coach yeah yeah now I haven't talked to Lamar in a little while I, I think I probably talked to him probably like at the beginning of the free agency you know right after I got cut you know and we just talked a little bit uh you know but it was you know basic level you know I mean you know he's he's the kind of guy that I think He's kind of misunderstood. Like people don't understand how smart Lamar is. Lamar is a very bright mm. young man. He's a football mind. Uh, he's highly intelligent, and uh, you know, and he has great poise. You know, and I think that uh, you know, I mean, some people say you know he needs an agent, he needs this, he needs that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that it's always good to have advisors who have your best interests in mind that can help you to you know to 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 uh, you know speed up the process and be more efficient. And but, understand the landscape and understand the landscape of interest. I think most people who sell, say Lamar needs an agent are people who think he can take less than a guaranteed contract, you know, but my agent ain't going to tell me what I should sign. You know, I'm telling him, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. You know, you, your job is just communicate to the teams, get the information, process it, you know, uh, but let me process it and let me go through and I'm going to tell you what I want to do. You know, agent definitely has a, a strong responsibility, and, I, and I'm happy to have agent for the for the reasons that I don't want to have those direct conversations with with with, with teams with ownership. So uh, I feel like you know, but if he's comfortable having those conversations directly, you know, then you know, there's there's no harm to it now. Uh, now but wait, but what if there's a situation in which there's a lack of communication, and then the agent is there to facilitate actually having communication so that there's not long periods of no communication yeah you know and, and everything is you know is, is situational right i mean because i know Ro roquan smith another guy who i'm good friends with who i know did a, you know represent himself and did a great job and so everybody's situation is different i think in lamar's case you know his mindset you know this is i can't speak for him because i don't know this for a fact this is what my outside looking in but this isn't like a direct conversation but for me outside looking in i think you know he was like hey if it ain't this then I don't want to, I, I ain't trying to really talk about it. You know, this is this is what I want. You know, when you get here, let me know. You know, and now this is just outside looking in. This is not direct, you know, because I'm sure after talking to him more or actually hearing more, him say things more, I'm, I think he's been trying to figure out, a, you know, a good give and take. You know, he's not he's not so stern on that one number. I think he's trying to get, you know, the, figure out what's, what's the best thing for him, you know, and trying to get the maximum value for his efforts. All players, all players, the, the responsibility, for a GM is to get the most value for as cheap as possible. And as a player, you're supposed to get the most value for your production. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's, you know, it comes down to production versus value, right? And Lamar knows that what he can do on the football field is ridiculous. And he wants the top value for that. You know, and I think that there's some level of this too, where I think just it's the prestige of having a fully guaranteed contract. But I also think it's some level of, you know, uh, you think about like the history of NBA or even baseball, Guaranteed contracts came from star players demanding it, and then it became a social norm. And I think Lamar kind of has a little bit of, uh, you know, like I can do something that can affect the whole NFL down the road. So I think that plays a little bit to it. But this is all my perspective. This is not that Lamar ever told me. Of course. Speaking of perspective, you, you're a veteran player and you've been in leadership with the NFLPA. What, what is your thought process on guaranteed contract for NFL players? I mean, is it something that star players should push for to change for the league? I mean, you know, certainly Kirk Cousins got one that didn't change. And, and, and then, you know, Deshaun Watson got one. I mean, shouldn't that be the norm? Should all players be pushing for those guaranteed contracts? I'm going to tell you like this. 
only way it's going to happen is if players push for it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen, but the owners are still generous, you right. know, so we're battling for it. And I think when it's a one-man battle, it ain't going to get done. Right. So if Lamar's a guaranteed contract, then, you know, it ain't going to get done. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, Jalen Hurst's deal was a phenomenal deal. And I, and I and I understand why he took it. But if, if but if you just, if Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, Joe yeah. Burrow, all say, hey, we're not playing, we're not playing football, you know, cost our contract until we get guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed contracts will happen. Right. They all get contracts. But, you know, that's kind of a hard thing to do because it's like, you know, if I'm Jalen Hurts, I know I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to make all 255 of this because I'm a quarterback. The quarterbacks don't really get cut unless you just right. start which is just unrealistic or you get some kind of crazy injury, but most of these have like injury guarantees. So like, you know, you're highly likely to make all 255. So it's like, do I really want to, I mean, you only really be sacrificing trying to make a greater good for everybody that can't be behind you. Right. You know, if, oh, if, you know, if that was, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, I've never talked to Jalen about, you know, I, mean, I don't even know. I don't even know Jalen. Yeah, but there's still, but there's still a certain comfort, obviously, in knowing that it's fully guaranteed from jump. And you're right, you can always have a catastrophic injury, a la Willis McGahee or Alex Smith. So, so you never know. And then there's just the 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 principle of of the matter. You know, my understanding is that Lamar Jackson, at least just from conversation, not directly from him and people who talk who who should know, um, you know, would obviously like a, a APY. Uh, 50 and probably now above, you know, what Jalen uh, has uh, on, on a shorter term. But when you're having conversations with, you know, teams, you can't you can't win in every metric. Right. So you can't have the APY and short and the guarantee or what have you. There has to you know be a give and take. What's your thought process on Lamar? One of the things I want to say is to me right now, what Lamar has is the advantage of time, meaning that he can still use time to negotiate with the Ravens as far as still trying to get what he wants, particularly some key metrics over what Jalen Hurts got by saying, if I come earlier, that's a negotiating tool to then try to pull back some more of what you want, maybe on a three-year deal, maybe the APY is above Jalen Hurts, but maybe you have to give on the term and guarantees and certain things like that. But obviously, Calais, the closer he gets to, you know, camp and things like that, using that lever of time is less of a negotiating, you know, thing to dangle to the Ravens who want it, trying to assimilate you with the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, this is a unique situation because, you know, his success is going to be, he's going to have more success of more time he has with the new offensive coordinator. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. He's going to have success regardless. But the more time you have with offensive coordinator, the more successful he's going to be. And so the longer this deal takes, you know, it kind of hurts this year's football to a degree. But if he gets the deal he wants, then, you know, I mean, they'll get it, they'll get it rolling and he'll yeah, probably- Yeah, but it delays the assimilation. Yeah. Getting it together and, in week five and week six or week seven when you could have it in week two in those games, you know, it comes down to a game or two when it comes to playoff seating or being in the playoff period. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you 100% that uh, if, if, you know, if, if it was just about this one season, if it was going to be that he's playing on the tag, then sign the tag, get in there and try to be the, the very, very best. But if you're trying to negotiate, still get a long-term deal, then, I mean, you know, the leverage he has is him not playing, you know, him taking the risks of not playing. And if they don't know he's going to play or not, they want to win and believe that this is the time. And honestly, I mean, I can speculate all day, right? I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad that I play football and I'm not in that world of being a GM or, you know, or trying to negotiate a deal on my own. Uh, you know, this is this is a, this is a tough situation, you know. But at the end of the day, it's a win-win for everybody, right? 
the Baltimore Ravens found a franchise quarterback who they believe in that they know is capable of winning Super Bowls. Even though people got to talk about oh, can't win the playoffs stuff, get out of their mind. This this All man right. Lamar, you know this this dude is ridiculous, ridiculously good. You know, and you know, and and he's capable of winning you know multiple Super Bowls. And he probably will if you continue to arm him with the proper tools, which I, I'm really happy to see Odell Beckham come in. I think this the new offensive coordinator is, is a brilliant mind. He's going to allow for Lamar to have a lot of success. Uh, you really tap how to use him properly and get the most out of him, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at this point in time in his career. And I think that, uh, you know, all this stuff is playing, you know, is, is playing out the way it's supposed to. Just got to get the deal done. And, I, you know, and I'm, I mean, Eric DeCosta is a very smart guy. And he and, and and he knows what he has in Lamar, and so he's fighting hard to try to get him there. Uh, oh, I hundred percent believe they want him, and they're fighting for him, and they and they show tremendous patience since the owners' meetings, where Lamar, a minute before John Harbaugh was set to address the media, there announced that uh, he had asked for a, a, a trade on March second. Uh, Clarence, really quickly too, and Calais, what was your uh, quick reaction when Lamar did do that and uh, publicized that he asked for a trade away from the team that brought him in? You know, and that's my thing with the agent thing because a lot of times these negotiations are so personal. And at least the agent, when you have an agent, he's a buffer. And and, and so uh, I didn't like, you know, obviously I don't know how you communicate that, but to do that on Twitter and do that right at that point, I don't know that that's how you do it or if you need to do it that way. But certainly it was done for shock value. It certainly was done to, to, to really... Uh, Put a line in the sand, let everybody know where you stood. That, that's the thing about having an agent. Having an agent, you know, you're going through a lot of negotiations. It gets personal. People bring up different things. When you have an agent, he's a buffer. You know, when you don't have an agent, then they're telling stuff to you. And it, it is personal with you, with them as business. Go ahead, Clay. I mean, you know, I think this is just the day and age we live in, you know, right? Lamar grew up in the social media era, you know, I mean, all these young guys, you know, it's just the era they grew up in. I see a lot of communication on social media that uh, these young guys do, and it's just a way for them to, you know, communicate directly to the fans, to the masses, like, yo, this is where I stand, you know. Now, I know Lamar wants to be a Baltimore Raven, you know. I, I know that, you know, uh, you know, only reason he put that out there is because he feels like they don't want to give him the value he believes he deserves, that he's earned. And so when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is a business. And if you don't want to give me the value I know I, I deserve, that I've earned, then, you know, we'll see somebody else to do it, you know, trade me. But obviously he's continuing negotiating and he's asked them to bring in, you know, uh, star players that can help him uh, make more plays, you know, like Odell Beckham. And so, Obviously, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I think it was one of those like, hey, you know, uh, negotiation tactics, you know, in a sense, uh, like, hey, you know, if you don't want to give me what I deserve, then, you know, somebody else will, you know, in theory, at least that's what, yeah, how he feels. And then, um, you know, but if you if you if, if you if you uh, if you if you if, if you want to be able to continue this negotiation and, and we could work through something, we could do that too. So it's, but I that's think the problem. But Calais, that's the problem is that at least as of what we know and, and, and um, Clarence as well, that we don't, we have not heard of anybody else coming to the table. So when you talk about a negotiating tactic with the, with the competition out there, at least not that I'm aware as an insider, what have you, you know, who, again, who knows if some Hail Mary comes, but at least as the way it stands right now for the information that I have, um, you know, it, it feels like, 
you know, the rubber is getting ready to meet the road here with respect to the time to, you know, report for mandatory camp and what he's going to do and show his hand or, or training camp. And for what I understand, I feel, I believe, and let me make sure I say, I believe, I still feel like the Ravens are willing to give him a long-term, um, you know, a long-term deal, you know, in, in maybe in the three-year range or, or more. Um, and also that they would, you know, p- potentially entertain g- getting above metrics rather that are above uh, Jalen with some with some give and take. I do think it is time for him to get back to the communication table. And it's not about looking like, you know, you're the saving face or having to tuck your tail between your legs. You know, this is still, you know, a good deal. As, as a former athlete myself, I was an NFL player. Of course, I want all athletes to get all money guaranteed and all things like that. And I do believe that the echelon should move beyond whatever benchmark each athlete sets, whether it be Deshaun, who to me still has the best contract right now with respect to that. But um, I think he needs to get to, you know, back to the communication table. And, you know, there, there's a measure of, you know, gratitude and respect to show to the organization. There's a, there's a give and take. You know, this, this team, this organization has you know, kind of cultivated the offense around you and things like that. We see how the market is responding right now. So to a degree, there has to be, I think, some deference to that. And they need to have deference. And I definitely do not think he should be making 32 million. He should clearly be above that. Um, and so, and, and that's just my take on it. Uh, what, yeah. what, why, 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 Clarence, hold on, Clarence, why, why, why you got to, no, Clarence, Clarence got something to say. And, and I think you, you need to let him talk. But before you, do you believe teams are colluding? I mean, do you think, you know, Calais, do you think these teams are colluding? And, and, and what's your opinion on them not making these offers for him? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's very clear that the NFL knows that they give out more guaranteed deals, that it's going to start a trend that goes to everybody getting guaranteed contracts. And I don't think from a business standpoint for the NFL, it's in their best interest to have guaranteed contracts for all the NFL players because our injury rate's so high from the NFL side. Now, from a player standpoint, it's like, yo, I want a guaranteed contract because injury is so high. I want to make sure that I'm good regardless. I work hard. I, I go out there and give you my all. I want a guaranteed contract. So this is one of those things where it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's a battleground, right? And so now if you look at the big picture NFL players versus NFL, which is a, a great partnership. And together we built this incredible machine. But so is that a yes, Calais? Is that a yes to Clarence's question? Is, are they yes? What, what was that? I'm sorry. A hundred percent. I believe that there's communication amongst each other saying like, we don't want to sign any more guaranteed contracts. Now, that's just my opinion. Obviously, you know, I, I'm not in the meeting. I don't have anything, you know, to, to know for sure. But I mean, come on, you know, I mean, to the day, that's how it goes. And I think that's a big reason. That's a big reason why Lamar doesn't have a guaranteed contract. I believe that if that wasn't a factor, I think Lamar would have a guaranteed contract 100%. Or I believe that a lot of teams will be reaching out trying to get them. You know, the only reason I feel like teams haven't really reached out is because they feel like they're going to be doing negotiation for Baltimore. Baltimore won't let them leave. And they're probably right because Baltimore knows that Lamar Jackson's different, you know. And I believe if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I have a crystal ball, magic crystal ball, right, I think the deal's going to get done. I think it's going to be a little give and take on both sides, but it's going to be a spectacular deal. Both sides are going to leave happy, but wish they had a little more. Yeah, but and- teams could sit there and set those metrics at 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 levels in which Baltimore most likely may not match. Although I do agree, you're right. Like even if the Commanders came out of whatever right now, I do believe that the that the the Ravens will match. As I ultimately still believe that Lamar Jackson will be a, a Raven for that fact. But I do believe there are some thresholds that will make uh, the Ravens give some pause. <laughs> 
and you know that there could be some things on the table that they would consider especially if the 49ers had first and second round you know picks right now be be some things to consider you know with the Trey Lance depending on the compensation that they would get back but because the 2023 return is is not necessarily where it'd be I think it, it complicates those discussions but anyways uh Clarence is there another question you wanted to have for Clarence before we, we jump out of here real quick no man we, we appreciate your time man <laughs> I, I, like I said I I I like your thoughts about I've always thought you were a good businessman in the game and, and, you know, just following you 15 years, you know, the game, you know, all aspects of the game. So, man, thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I say always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, you know. Uh, I think that it's kind of funny because I, I feel like the majority of the world thinks I took a, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I went for the most money on the market and went to the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm like, ha, these guys, man, they're going to surprise some people, you know, and it's kind of funny because, like, you know, I'm not as much on the social media like a bunch of other young guys. But I, I look at it, I, I glance at it, and I see a lot of stuff, and I'm like, man, they don't realize, man, the Atlanta Falcons, man, we're coming for people this year, man. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. Well, listen, you are the 2019 Walter Payton Man of the Year. We know you do community stuff. One of the things that Arthur Blank said was that, you know, he talked to you about the effect that you could have in the Atlanta community. One of your main beat reporters down there is D. Orlando Ledbetter. He recently posted on Instagram, I guess there was a doppelganger, someone who looked like him in the Freak Nick documentary. So before I let you go out here, uh, I want to make sure that you also are not in the Freak Nick documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Make sure you're not. You're not. You're not. We're not gonna have you. He wasn't even born yet, 90. He wasn't born yet. Okay, well, you see, I don't I even know. I was born in 86, but I was a baby. You was a kid. You was a baby. Hey, when was Freak? Hey, hey, Clarence, and since you know the era of Freak Nick, when was Freak Nick going on? in the 90s, 89, 94, 95. He was a baby. Okay, yeah. so he couldn't be an adolescent out there? No. Do we just see Chance the Rapper at no, Carnival no, or some no, stuff no. like that? As the coach has said, when people point their fingers at you, they got three pointing back at themselves. Where were you, Josina? Hey, hey, look, that's a good icebreaker. When you talk to D-Leg, because I know he wants to talk to you. He did tell me to tell you that. Uh, you you mentioned I, I brought up the Freak Nick thing and whatever. But obviously, we know, you, I'm, I'm just joking. We know that you are a good, uh, civil, domesticated, um, you know, sportsman, polite, you know, cordial, chivalrous, all that other stuff when it comes to not just being a man, but also a football player. We do appreciate you coming on, class and giving us your time. And we'll uh, hope to have you back when we have the rest of our co-hosts on when you're on as well. And Morris Chestnut and uh, Fred Smoot. So we appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank All right. Man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Calais. Yes, indeed. So that was Mr. Calais Campbell joining us. Uh, any quick reactions right there to uh, anything that he said beside my freak neck comedy that you tried to tell me was uh, not uh, on the right time? It was not the right time. We need to ask you about yourself. What were you doing that time? That was in your, your college days, probably. But... Um, no, I mean he, he was good as usual, and 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 certainly he he has his thoughts on the Lamar situation, and and it just tells you that the players on the field believe in Lamar and the type of player he is. And he played with Lamar, he knows Lamar, uh, but yeah, it, it's certainly a delicate situation. It was interesting. Again, you know he needs to be a, a salesman. They need to put him out there and sell the Falcons to mm. the fans because he believes they can win thirteen games. He believes they're going <laughs> to contend. You know, the man is selling the Falcons. At least they sold him. Arthur Smith and the blank, they they sold him on the Falcons. And he's selling to the masses. 
really quickly before I let you go, because I, I did want to just get to this uh, quick headline real quick. So I'm just going to roll this. Look, uh, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network uh, mentioned that there are teams that are talking to the 49ers uh, with respect to gauging the possibility of them giving up uh, Trey Lance. We know that they have Brock Purdy, who's still on the mend with his uh, uh, arm injury, and then also um, Sam Darnold, who they acquired as well from uh, the Carolina Panthers, or who went there, rather, I believe, in free agency. So uh, do you have any thoughts about, um, you know, the, the communications on Trey Lance and potentially where he should go? I, I believe the 49ers do not have a first or second round pick. Yeah, I, I don't know where he should go, uh, but but certainly he needs to go. So he needs a new home. And it's, it's unfortunate because then he really had a chance to play a lot of football. Certainly a lot of teams thought a lot of him coming out in the draft. One reason why the 49ers traded so much to get him. Uh, and I don't know what the conversation is and where you go, but teams are looking for a quarterback. A lot of teams that, that, that don't get one in the draft. Trey Lance is certainly a viable option. You know, if it's, you know, I, you know, he, and I don't know how he compares if you stack the quarterbacks that are coming out this year to where you thought he was coming out and, and where do you rank him? Certainly he was, he was ranked as a top five, top 10 player in that draft a couple of years ago when, when, when the 49ers went up to go get him. Uh, but there are a lot of quarterback needy teams that, that that should be looking at Trey Lance as a viable option. Well, it is correct. The 49ers do not have a first or second round pick. They have three picks in the third round. Uh, they have three picks in the fifth round, one pick in the sixth, and four in the seventh. So three, three, one, four in terms of the amount of picks in those rounds that I just mentioned. Um, it's funny really quickly as we get ready to sign off here, uh, I was having conversations with regards to, you know, a few teams and let me just talk about the Ravens for here for a second. Do you think that if for some reasons throw this hypothetical out there, uh, Clarence, if Lamar Jackson just stays the course, which I don't think he should do given the money he already missed last year from not having a long-term deal, he's already like 40 million behind Josh Allen or whatever it is. Uh, but if for some reason he just bullishly stays steadfast, I don't see another team out there for a quarterback that, you know, that of a team that has a plethora of quarterbacks like the 49ers do, who the Ravens should even entertain. The problem is not having the first or second. But do you feel like, based on what I just told you, the allotment that they do have in 2023, that giving Trey Lance, doing, you know, giving, you know, some third rounds and then like a, a first round from next year or even a play and throw another player in there, obviously it probably is not going to be like a, a Debo or a Kittles, but maybe like a Brandon Ayuk or whatever. Does that does that sound like enough for the for the Ravens? No, I, I don't think so because the Ravens are a team that's ready to win now. I don't know if Trey Lance is a quarterback that still needs development. I'm saying if if for some reason Lamar is just like I'm not doing it, which I don't think he should, and I don't think he is, but just throwing out that hypothetical. I don't think that would be enough, and and, and again. The only hypothetical with, with Lamar is that, in in, in, in a respect to the draft, is that do you know is it is do it? How does it help the Forty Niners with, with draft pick this year? You know, and it, it doesn't give them any because because I don't think that you will know that before next week's draft uh, that Lamar's out, uh, mm -hmm. so to speak. But you know, it's an intriguing option. They they do they need to build they need to build for no, the but season. they can they can do a tra they can do a trade after the draft. Uh, certainly, they can do their trade, but I was saying, how does that help the 49ers get picks this year? Because they don't have any picks this year. But yeah, they can do a trade after the draft, and, and, and we'll see how that goes. But 
you know, I I I I, I put all my eggs into trying to get Lamar done, and and then we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I just, you know, they're they're again to me they're a number of teams. I mean, I, I could well, you know, presumably they'd be getting the, the Houston. Houston may not draft the quarterback, and, and and so their 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 defense corner just came from the 49ers. What does he think of him? Why would he not do that after the draft as well? Yeah, but presumably they would be getting Lamar. That would be that would be like I'm talking about a team in the 49ers who already is so stacked with resources on offense and defense, and you would be you would be having Lamar, someone who's a well, former. You're talking about trading Lance for Lamar is what you're saying, and I don't. Well, again, I don't think it's a straight. No, I don't think that's a straight up because obviously Trey Lance doesn't have the experience. What I'm saying is, given that the 49ers don't have a first or a second. Let's just let's just throw that out there. You know, let's say Trey Lance comes to get a player who's younger. Lamar gets to go to a team that's competitive. You have to throw in, you know, a couple third rounders in there because that's the highest pick. And then maybe it's another player, Ayuk, and you know, a first rounder for twenty twenty four. I'm just saying, what about that? I'm just throwing it out there. I didn't like. I, 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 I see you throwing it out there, and I, I, I just I, I can't wrap my mind around it. I do know that if. If Lamar was on the 49ers with that defense, with that running game, with those receivers, that would be a cheat code. A cheat code. Well, that's a good way to leave it right there. It would be a cheat code, but I don't think, Lamar, you should think about it. I do think that you should get back to the communication table and, you know, talk to the Ravens. And I do think that they should pay you an APY higher than Jalen Hurts. And I do think that you could get a deal done on a three-year deal and figure it out with some concessions that also makes the Ravens feel good. But you got to do it by getting back to practice or getting to practice in advance of when you have to be there because that is a negotiating lever that you have to pull back and forth right now. But for Clarence Hill, we do appreciate you coming on the show. Any words you want to say to Fred Smooth and Morris who are not here right now? Anything you want to say before we peace out? I, mean, I just wish y'all were here, man. Fred Smooth, where you at, man? And, and Morris, you know, get out the movies, man. Come on back and, and be, be, being fancy. Don't don't worry. They will be back at some point. But we did have an excellent conversation. So for Clarence Hill and Claris, uh, Calais Campbell, I am Josina Anderson. And we are out. Peace. Say peace, Clarence. Peace out, people.